Today's sermon is entitled, The Best Man. The Best Man, and we will be in Genesis 1, 26-31. So today I'm starting a three-message series leading up to Christmas and the entire series is called The Birth of a Man. The entire series is called The Birth of a Man. But today's sermon, the first portion, is called The Best Man. I want to lead up to Christmas using stepping stones to take us to the birth of Christ. So the series is entitled The Birth of a Man. And we are crescendoing all the way up to the birth of Christ. So today I'd like to talk about the birth of the man from three different perspectives. I want to talk about the birth of the man, of a man as the good man, the perfect man, and the best man. The birth of the best man is made possible by the birth of the perfect man. But the Bible says, in reality, there is none perfect, no, not one, only God. Only God can be perfect man. But, while we can't be perfect on earth, little Ben, we can be our best. Uh, watch this. So today we're going to learn how things went from good to perfect to best. Hmm. Weird order. Let's see if we can explain it. And so the first sermon of the trilogy is called The Best Man. Because from the beginning, it was God's will for man to be the best. But something went terribly wrong, Shauna. So the perfect man had to come fix it. That originally God wanted man to be the best man, but something went wrong. So the perfect man had to come to fix it. What a genius plan. The best man had become just a good man. Mm. While Christmas is about the perfect man, watch this, come on, stay with me here, Tia. While Christmas is about the perfect man, we must find ways to use his story to help us be the best man. I no longer want to be a good man. You know, people say all the time, you know, oh, he's a good man. 
He's such a good man. I don't want to be a good man anymore. I renounce good manship. <laughs> I want to be the best man. Because I can't be the perfect man, right? But better or best is better than good. So of course by the term man, cousin Kevin, I'm I'm including all of mankind. So I'm not just talking about man from the gender. I'm talking about man as mankind. But there will be specific references throughout to the male gender. I want to make that clear. So let's talk man for a minute. Let's talk man for a minute. When I talk about man, I talk about man in its traditional sense is someone who is seen as strong a go-to person, a protector, someone who lifts heavy things, a breadwinner because he's strong enough to work hard. He works hard, so he's strong enough to do it. He is to be a covering, the person who provides a home for others, one who takes care of the flock, a procreator. I'm not entirely sure he's a man because he's wiser or smarter. That I don't think that goes in his portfolio. I think most things related to men have to do with their differences from women. Their differences, his strength, and his anatomical significance in procreation. However many things you can attach to his strength, then that adds to his role. When we talk about man, we talk about man is always the other half of the equation. He alone is never enough. Even God is a trinity. Even God says, just one of me is not enough. He says, I need to be three in one. But who man is, is part of a bigger equation. Always man is a part of something bigger than himself. So let's start at the beginning. Because what most would considered the version of today's man, they would, you know, you wouldn't consider today's version of what we call man as the best we have to offer. If we look at all the stuff that happens in the world and we say, this is the best we have to offer of mankind, something is wrong. There are hints of great men throughout history but they are far too few. Is that not true? There are some men who are notable. There are some humans, mankind from the human race who have done some great and notable things, but they're far too few. And I don't think God created mankind to have two or three to excel. But man, as we know him today, is terribly flawed. Sound familiar? Man is reprobate. And so while we have the capability of being our best, we often don't choose that way. That the choice between good and that the, the action or the lifestyle of between good and best is differentiated by a choice. Mm. I happen to think that because of how things began, we have this distinction and this uh, wavering between the good and the best. And it all happens at the birth of a man. So let's go to the beginning. 
So when I talk about the beginning, I'm talking about the starting point of something in time or space. So we all have a beginning. And the beginning is the beginning of what, though? We must ask. If you start something, it is the start of something greater than the point where it began. To begin means there is possibly an end somewhere down the line, or at least there are successive points that begin each again. So in other words, when we start at a point, there are possibly successive points that are start points again and again and again that lead to something. So when we talk about the beginning of man, we're talking about man That is the starting point of something more, that there are multiple steps or phases or stages to what begins again in the birth of man. You tracking? So today I want to talk about how the birth of a man is the beginning of his being the best man. Uh, So we start with the birth of man, but the birth of man is moving toward the best of man. And some would say Adam was the perfect man, turned the best man. Well, no. If he was perfect, he would have never failed. Perfection does not fail. Once it fails, it is no longer perfect. So only God holds that title. So the highest man can become, trying to get you to see this, if man cannot be perfect, the highest man can become is best. We will not be perfect until we change divinely. But today, we'll see that even in this case, the best title man earned when he was born was good. (laughs) Let me explain. Because of the flaws In the beginning of man, man has been in pursuit of his bestness for centuries. Because of the errors and the choices and the flaws in man, man has been pursuing his best self since the beginning of time. But that bestness, little Ben, is attached to Christ. And so we start here to begin our scent toward Christmas, the birth of the perfect man. So while the birth of a man is the pursuit toward bestness, that bestness is connected to Christ. So if this man has a chance at reaching bestness, we cannot get to bestness without crescendoing to the perfect Christmas man, Christmas man, perfect man, Christ. So we view Christ's birth as the beginning of our bestness. (laughs) I'm telling you that man couldn't be his best, that Adam, Adam didn't have a chance at being his best until Christ came and atoned for his sins. I feel him. And Jesus truly is the best man today. God is spirit, right? God is not man in the anatomical sense. He is not flesh and blood. 
God the Father is spirit, but Jesus is the only man of God. Uh, so when we talk about Christmas, we're talking about the man. We're talking about the birth of Jesus. So we're talking about the man who makes it possible for the best man. So he becomes the best man for us to have a chance to be the best man. He is not the best God. Because there is only one of those. To say, to divulge, to divest and say God is the best God means that there is a God who compares to him. God said, I am God and beside me there is none other. So we cannot call him the best God. We just call him God. Yeah. There is only one God. Perfect implies exclusivity. And so when God says, I am God, and when Jesus comes, he is the perfect man for the job. There are many men, right? So we cannot say there is a perfect man other than Christ. So we cannot be perfect because there are many men. There are many women. So the best we can be is the best man because there are many to choose from. Well, sometimes joy can't make a decision and we're talking back and forth and say, well, which one? Which one is the best? We're not choosing God out of a plethora of gods. There is only one. But when we look at all of us, all of us online, Joyce and Tony and Shauna and little Ben and all of us, we're all saying, well, how can we be the best? Best for what, though? Uh, then I have to go further. Jesus is called the son of man because his mission was for man. He's the son of man because he came for man. It is the title that links him to humanity. He is not just called the son of God. He is called the son of man because he was fully God and fully man at the same time. So where does man start? And I'm glad you asked. Let's start with man at the beginning and work our way up to Christmas. As I stated, this is part of the trilogy of sermons with the final culminating on Christmas morning. Let's look at this text. The text says, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So you be clear, if he's made in his image or likeness, he's looking for the best to come out of this man. He says, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move among along the ground. So God created man in his image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number or multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that is fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground. Everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw, now watch this, all that he had made. And it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. The sixth day. 
So let's start at the beginning. Clearly from this text, God had big plans for man. You don't give this kind of authority and leadership and rulership to somebody that you don't expect a lot from. You don't give this type of candor, uh, this type of description to someone you don't have confidence in. So man was created with high hopes and expectations. But what I want you to understand is that man was created in the middle of something already created. So the start point of man is not the start point of existence. Watch this now. Because you think all of life starts with you. And that ain't true. The point is that man was made on the sixth day. That he was the last thing made. Meaning that there was a world created first and then man was put in it. Are you tracking? So when we talk about understanding man and how we're crescendoing a life up to Christ, we understand that life doesn't start with him. Yeah. And so he must not have been the best thing just yet. But rather there's a scope or a universe, a world created to put him into. I want you to see that man's starting point is brought because he connects to something that is bigger than him. So man was created for the world. And so just like God sought and spoke light and which began from a concept, so man begins with the concept of purpose or reason or function. So, so, so God thought and he said, let there be light and there was light. And so he created all this world and he says, it needs a man. And so man was created for something that God already created. Man comes in after and says, God says, I, I, I see man being created for this world, which means then that this man has a purpose and a function. Watch this now. And so when you talk about purpose or function or action in life, there are levels and degrees to how you live it. You can live it good or you can live it best. You cannot live it perfectly. Oh, I wish somebody would have told me that when I was younger because I was stuck on I was stuck on stupid. I was stuck on being perfect. I actually thought I could be perfect in anything. But I wish somebody told me you can be good or you can be the best, but you cannot be perfect. But just like God thought about creating the world, he thought about man. And so the birth of man begins eight stages toward manhood. And so birth actually means beginning. When we talk about the birth of a man, we talk about the beginning of man. And it is a start of life as a separate being. And I define those eight stages as follows. Man comes in through concept. First, he's concept. Second, he's conception. Third, he comes through delivery. Fourth, he's into development. Fifth, he's being defined. Sixth, he's being identified. Seventh, he's being established. And eighth, he's finally being acknowledged. 
So let's start with concept or preconception, an idea or plan or intention that God had a preconcept. He had a concept in his mind of who man should be and what he was going to do while he was here. And so these points will be drawn from the above read text. I read 26 through 31. So this is why I'm saying I'm not going to go back to them. You can look it up in your Bible on the app as we go along, but I'll speak them. I'll reference them. I'll quote them. You can follow along through the text as was provided. So let's look at number one, preconception. Let's talk about the concept. What is the concept, the beginning of this best man? This optimum, optimal man began with the concept God had, that, that God had a concept of the best man, that, that God created this man with a concept of thought that hmm, he's going to be good. He's going to, he's going to rule. He's going to, he's going to be able to be in control. And so God's concept was to be in relationship with a man that God, listen, God didn't want relationship with the birds. He created the rocks. He created with the sun. He created, he wanted a relationship with man. I want you to understand that man is here for relationship. So he wanted a human that he would relate to. So he said, I'm going to create my concept. Now watch this. Concepts are often better than its reality because the reality responds to its creation. What do I mean by that? A scientist in concept, in theory, what do we often say? Look good on paper, right? The concept is always better on paper, but when we actually create it, we incur flaws because the thing created responds to its creation. Oh man, you're going to miss this. I'm saying that in the mindset of God, he saw man as perfect, as good, as powerful, as the best he could be. But when man was created, man responded to his creation in a flawed capacity. And so God said, the best man that I created failed to good. Now I've got to create the perfect man to bring the good man to his best position. Wow. Never mind, y'all. I'm moving too fast for you. This is too much. This is too much. Preach. I'm preaching to me. This then is what I mean by preconception, that God in preconception, in order for man to be created, it means that God had a desire. He had a thought. He had a need for you. Ask yourself, am I here? Am I where I am because someone desired me? Am I where I am because of a preconceived notion or thought of me? And so from Genesis 1:26, we learn that man is not his own maker, that he begins with another. That Genesis 1:26 said, God said, let us make man in our image. That man did not create himself, but that God thought of him as a preconception and said, let us make man like us. Uh, in other words, there's something that preceded him. And so when you come to a job, you must think in terms of preconception. When you enter a new relationship, Am I here because I was desired? Am I here because I was a pre-thought? Or am I here as a mistake? Am I here as a default? Am I here as trouble? You, uh, never mind, I can't go in there. But to be the best man, you have to know that you aren't best because of you. Oh, that's good, Joy. You're not best because of you. Because you didn't start with you. 
You started with a thought that was better than you. Oh, I, I got to listen to this tape myself. I'm not even getting it all. Best doesn't belong to you. It is being borrowed. So next time you say, I'm the best thing you ever got, honey, you're borrowing the best. Yeah, you might be the best, but you're borrowing it from God. Our bestness doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from a preconception of someone else. God, the best version of myself is not something that I imagine in myself, but the best of who I am comes from somebody else. Oh, that ought to be humbling. Our bestness comes from God wanting us to be the best. Live your life with the thought that someone wants you to do well. Live your life from the perspective that it's not about me doing well. It's about that someone thought of me doing well. Therefore, my doing well has the propensity of becoming a reality not because I want it but because someone greater than me wants it for me. Oh man. Oh I remember when I first became a father, got married and I was worried I don't know what I'm doing Jesus. I don't know what I'm doing. You can be a father you can be a friend you can be a good worker because there is one greater than you who puts the best in you to be that. So today's best man must have a sense of surrender. Here's your first key word. Write this down. Shauna, put it in. So for preconception, our key word is surrender. You're going to get one for every note. Today's best man must have a sense of surrender, meaning you surrender to God's desires. That I live understanding that the best of who I am is because of God. Let's go to the next one. The next stage toward the best man is conception. So after he is preconceived, we move to conception, meaning making the concept a reality. That we move from the state of being a thought or a desire in someone's mind to becoming a reality. Conception is the ability to turn the concept into a reality. It is to convert the idea into a physical manifestation. So Genesis 1 and 27 says, God made their concept a conception. In other words, you only need, listen, you only need yourself to conceptualize. In other words, you only need you to think of it. You only need one person to preconceive or to have a concept of something, but you need more than yourself to conceive it. Ah, God. There is no such thing as anybody having a baby without at least two involved. Now, how that happens can vary, but the what of how it happened will be the same. So conception is the incubator of the great man to come. Let me explain it this way. That conception, not the concept, not the preconception, but conception becomes the incubator of the great man to come. Uh, That even though Adam was born, what we learn is that even though the baby is growing in the womb, it is not its best form yet. It has to grow. So it has to be in an incubator. So in other words, that womb is the nestling place of strength. It is the womb of strength. And so we talked about man being differentiated because of his strength. But this preconception is just the thought, but the conception has to happen with more than one. So when God says, let us make man in our own image, he does it with the 
Trinity. Ah, never mind. <laughs> so we must ask, how was man conceived? Watch this now. This is going to get juicy, Shauna. Listen to this. There are only two, uh, two to three times in history, uh, the beginning of man followed a different pattern of what we know. We know man to be born through the womb. A woman and a man come together and they share seed and, and oval and egg and they have a baby. But only two or three times do we see in scripture where God deviated from that pattern. And that was the first. Watch this. So we're talking about the beginning of man, the birth of man, the first that follows successively. So, and that was the first Adam. And that's why scripture talks about the first Adam and the last Adam. It doesn't say the first Adam and the second Adam. It says the first Adam and the last Adam. The first Adam was Adam. The last Adam was Christ. (laughs) In other words, the the good, the best got good, messed up, and the perfect Adam had to come to fix the good to replace his best. But they were all the beginnings of firsts. Oh man, you're going to miss it. So the first Adam was created, watch this, not by sperm or seed. Adam was created from the dust by God. So God took his little miraculous, miraculous power, scooped up some dirt and said, let's form the body of Adam. Watch this now, because the dust only created the body. It didn't give him life. And so Eve, not from seed, not from or egg, she was made how? From the side, from the rib of Adam. So not normally conceived. Jesus then, that's your two, here's your three, Jesus, born of a virgin by Mary and the Holy Spirit. Joseph didn't know. They didn't have relations. That's what I mean. He didn't know Mary, meaning they didn't normally conceive. So Eve was pulled from Adam's side. Adam was born from the dirt. But in each of these, there was more than just the created work. And so conception, watch this, conception. Oh, you can think all day. But if you can't conceive it, well, conception. Conception is the ability to make the dream a reality. And you make the dream a reality by pulling some things together to make what you thought a reality. God. So Genesis 2-7 says, you make this note, I didn't read it, but Genesis 2-7 says, God blew into Adam and he became a living soul. So Adam didn't start living until the body had been created and together, remember, got to have more than one. Adam couldn't just start living by himself. He needed God to breathe on him. He breathed in him and he became a living nephew a living soul. So God with dirt created, uh, never mind, the road to best manhood begins with reality. Second key word, that's for conception, for conception. Second key word, reality. First one was surrender. So when you come to manhood and you start espousing or aspiring toward being the best man, you've got to be in the world of reality. It's the point at which a concept actually begins to exist. The reality before your exposure. So even though man was created, he hadn't been exposed to the world. And we know it's there, we just aren't showing it. It's like the baby, who was that? Kiki? Kiki Palmer. Who was on Saturday Night Live, who waited to the last minute and she showed her baby bump. In other words, people didn't know throughout the show that she was pregnant. So the baby was a reality, but he 
had not yet been exposed. Beyonce did it too while she was on the stage. She waited till after she performed and then she showed her baby bump. I'm telling you that there are some things in our lives that are actual realities, but they have not reached the stage of exposure. Man cannot be made by another on his own. In other words, he cannot, man cannot, you cannot be a reality on your own. You are the offspring, God, of something that preceded you. So when we look at ourselves crescendoing toward Christmas, we understand that we are the offspring of something greater than ourselves. Conception always involves two or more. It seems like man would have had a great chance at being the best man possible. He was made by God himself. Oh man, Adam had it made. This shouldn't have been a problem with Eve. Eve shouldn't have messed it. They should, how could they not be the best versions of us? But let's continue the journey to the birth of man because the next stage I called the delivery stage. After the reality of man finishes his incubating, he is ready to be delivered. Somebody say, I'm in the delivery room to be seen by the earth. Number three, delivery. Talk about delivery is man's, listen, listen, delivery is man's, listen, 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 delivery is man's first battle with separation and transition. Oh God, that's why Adam and Eve messed up. They they started living life on their own. Watch this now. Delivery is man's first battle with separation and transition. It's where he leaves the womb of dependence and conception of thoughts and dreams of who I'm supposed to be and now has to eat and breathe and cry on his own. In the incubator, in the room of the womb, I was being fed. As long as I was connected to the tube, God did everything for me. But delivery is about making the separation of life. He begins for the first time establishing his own world within a world. So whenever you're your own world within a world, you have the propensity of making a mistake. Even though you were created with everything you needed to be the best version of yourself. Remember, the thing created reacts to its creation. (laughs) And so Eve and Adam let the serpent beguile them. Never mind, I want to get ahead of myself. But verse 28 of Genesis 1 shows that Adam was blessed by God and was commanded to be fruitful and multiply. This confirms that they were living humans. In other words, I'm sending you out. Go live your life. Have babies. Do what I tell you to do. But Adam was born. Watch this now. This gets tricky. This gets tricky, Tabitha. This gets tricky, Tony. Adam was born a man. Wait a minute. Adam was born a man. In other words, he was not born a child. But Christ's birth was a boy. Watch this now. Adam came in as a man, but Adam messed up. So instead of Jesus coming as a man, he came as a boy to correct the problems that came with putting a man on the earth to live in a world, in his own world, within a world, and make those bad mistakes. So Christ, the birth of a man, the perfect man, comes as a boy to correct the fall of man. Watch this. You're going to miss it. Man 
was born as a man, Adam, but fell uh, and fell to the place of a child. Because when you when you act up or make the wrong choices, what do we say? You're acting childish. So Jesus comes as a child to grow up to the man. Instead of man coming in its perfect form who fell down, Jesus is born to grow up to the cat dog it you're gonna miss it he says it gives a man if you give man too much at the beginning he will almost always fail that's why you don't give a child keys to a car that's why you don't give a child the permission to have sex too early that's why you don't give a child sophisticated emotional problems because they cannot handle the bigness of it and so Adam and Eve found them themselves in a newly created world but could not handle what God placed them in. So Genesis 2.8 says, shows that Adam was first placed in the Garden of Eden. That's Genesis 2.8 says that Adam and Eve were placed in the Garden. So clearly he is no longer a thought or a desire. He is a reality. He has been delivered. He has brought into the world. So the road to being a best man is a road that embraces separation. Keyword number three. Separation. Keyword number three. That when you are delivered, it is a time for separation. And isn't that what deliverance is? Deliverance is separation from what controls you. Delivery is the escape from infancy. Delivery is the road towards the best version of your potential. But the infant soon learns he is not capable of doing what others can do. Watch this. Have you ever noticed a child who comes out, starts out thinking, I can walk, boom, fall down to the ground. They realize, I can't do what a man can do. God dog it. There are some of us who become Christians and you become super Christians overnight and you realize you can't do what a mature Christian can do. Come on, don't play with me. You go to church every Sunday, but you haven't read the word. You've just been singing songs. You haven't matured. I'm trying to teach you that separation is the difference between maturity and infancy. So watch this. There must be a period then of development that has to take place, which happens to be our next stage. So we move to number four, the development, right? So we got this development. Now, once a man can accept separation, Joy, once I'm okay with separation, once I'm okay with being me, then development must begin. And the man becomes challenged with growth. Oh, the man, we go through puberty. Uh-oh, look at I'm getting hairs on my face. Wait a minute, I got muscles. Uh-oh, I'm feeling things. I didn't ever, I never felt this before. So man starts feeling challenges. Uh, he starts facing struggles. I'm trying to, are you, are you getting this? Are you understanding what I'm saying? I'm trying to get you to see the stages of man and how he develops and the struggle of being his best. And so we struggle with this best because when we're going through development, we face challenges of changes and growth and we start feeling emotions and all of these different things happen so we're brought into a world where we are meeting things for the first time development is the process of meeting a bunch of stuff for the first time (laughs) this is a period of acquaintances where you get acquainted with falling in love you get acquainted with drinking you get acquainted with uh, uh, desiring a, a, a husband or a wife 
life. You get acquainted with wanting to do something special in life. You get acquainted with how your body feels and, and what you want to do in life. You start get acquainted learning what things are. You learn to talk. You're learning to walk. This is the foundation of the man that crescendos up to the best Christ. God is, Christmas is looking back at a man who's trying to figure out his development. He learns how to cogitate. He learns how to form thoughts of his own. Listen, the man who was created from thought himself now has thoughts of his own. Wow! He begins to conceptualize stuff and he doesn't know how to bring it to fruition, but he's in development. But he's yet aspiring to be the best man. I listened to Queen Latifah on the Griot Awards post show and she said, uh, the question was, how do you not stop when people say no? And she said, because something inside of me wanted to aspire to be a certain thing. And because that desire was in me, I couldn't stop. Even though people said no, in my mind, it was going to be a reality. So you start living in a capacity in a way in which you start feeling things about yourself that you know are going to be a reality regardless if the bank says no or the job rejects you or he leaves you or she turns you down. You ain't going to say amen, I know. But the best development comes from the actions of life. The steps and the choices we make, they develop us, Cynthia. The work that we do develops our muscles. When we use our limbs, we develop our strength. That's why I've been preaching action all year long so you can get stronger and move toward your best self. Man is man largely because of his strength. God told Adam to be fruitful and multiply, subdue and practice dominion over all the living creatures, the fruit from the trees, the animals were given to him to eat. The best man must be committed to work. Keyword number four, five, work. That is your key word. The best man must be committed to work. Development involves work. If you are to be developed, you must act. And so the man who doesn't work often develops into a couch potato. A man who doesn't work gets a fat belly. A man who doesn't work, his limbs start going to atrophy. This is why the retired man still must find something to do. The retired man must still walk a little bit a day. Because even at 80 or 90, you're developing or maintaining what you have developed already. But the next stage is the most defining. And it is a stage at which we begin to realize something may be wrong or askew. Let's talk about definition. Definition. Here it is. From the development comes the unfolding and defining of who the man is and will become. The formative years produce reports and summaries of likes and dislikes. So from my development, I start learning what I like, what I don't like. I like blue hair. I like long feet. I like big cars. I like this job. I don't like cookies. I don't like tuna. My old dog don't like tuna. The, de- the definition is the explanation of a thing. Watch this now. The definition is the explanation of a thing. So you've been developed to a point where now you can be defined. So the definition is the explanation of the thing. It is the telling of an object or a being. So when someone asks what something means, they give a definition. So what does this mean? What does, what does salt mean? You know, they give a definition. So when people ask, what do you mean? They you, you need to give a definition. So when someone asks what man means, then it is his de- 
developmental period that will help define them to answer that question. So you can't define who you are if you haven't been developed. So Adam didn't know he was Adam until he had been developed and could answer, I am Adam. Ah, never mind. Here we learn that man is defined as simply good. So Adam, who should have been the best man, is only defined as good because the development went awry somewhere. Here we learn he is the best man at the time because he is the only man. Oh, you're going to miss it. Sometimes you're the best because you're the only. But what about when you're the best in the midst of everybody else? God, that's where I want to be. To this point, the concept, the conception, and the delivery and the development of Adam have all measured up to good, not the best. So verse 31 says, God looked at everything he made and he said it was good. He didn't say, oh, this is the best. He said, this is good. Means it's pleasing to me. God said, this is a benefit. It's appropriate for that. So, but who is man being best for? What was God saying was good? God was saying, this is good for whom? For me. I created this for me. So God was saying, you are good for me. So when you talk about being best, you're not being best for people. You're being best for God. So when we talk about crescendoing to Christ and Christmas and being the best person, it's not who can buy the most gifts. It's about who can be the best man. God dog it. I'm preaching myself. I know this is a sermon. It's just, I'm probably just preaching to me. But listen, the best man is first his best to God. We are not seeking to be the best for you, but we are seeking to be the best to you. Yeah, we are best to you because we are doing it for God. In other words, I'm living to you, toward you, for God. I'm living to please God. So the best man should become a benefit. Keyword number six or seven. Six, I believe. Seven. Benefit. Keyword. That's your keyword. So the best man must be a benefit. So when you look at becoming the best man or the pursuit of, of life, you must have a definition that pleases. In other words, you're a benefit. In other words, your presence on earth is a benefit to God. You please God. The Bible says without faith, you cannot please him. So you don't even, you can't even please him if you don't even have faith. So you want to be a benefit to God, not a liability to God. He adds value to your life. The best man adds value to life. So how would you like to be defined? Would you like to be defined as good or would you like to be defined as best. Shauna and Joy presented something to me in our last board meeting, and I didn't react with bells and whistles. And they kind of gathered. They said, well, you don't seem like it, it, it's not the best. It's just good. I said, well, it's, it's good. It's good. There is a difference between good and best. I'm trying to talk to you, Tony. If you were told you were good versus best, isn't that going to affect your identity? Grow up telling your children, oh, you're just good. You're not the best. But uh, uh, but you okay? Isn't that going to affect your identity? Identity is the sixth stage. This is where we go. The best man doesn't just want to please God. We want to blow him away. I don't want just God to be happy. Okay with church. I want to blow him away. But first, maybe this good had to meet the perfect before he could become the best. What's our identity? Here we go. Moving down the line. I gotta I gotta wrap this up. I'm running out of time. They ain't gonna make it. Help me, Lord. 
This is the personified you. This is the personified, the unique you, the one you, the thing that sets him apart from all other like men. He is the thing. This is the thing that makes you different. This is the thing that describes you from Adam and Eve. There is a separation. He gets his own set of traits. You get your own eyes, your own eyebrows, your own fingerprints. Though similar to others, they are yours alone uniquely. So after you have a good definition of yourself, a good definition makes you stand out from everybody else. So when you develop properly, you can properly define yourself so that then therefore you can be identified and distinguished from everybody else. Oh, you're going to miss it. We're crescendoing up to the best. So how do you get to be the best? By being properly developed, properly defined, and then you get into your identity where people choose you on purpose. You are the best one I want because why? You have been better defined. Oh, Oh, God. <laughs> ah, so even though someone defines you as one thing, the expression from your own voice confirms or denies the truth of that. You've got to start speaking what God has defined you to be. So when people ask Adam's name, what did he say? My name is Adam. In other words, I identify as Adam. But when you trace Adam all the way back, Adam has a definition. So the name you speak gives you identity. Identity. Uh, you remember uh, uh, Key and Peel in the classroom? He was says, uh, "Is a Aaron here? Is a Aaron? A Aaron?" He says, uh, "You mean Aaron?" In other words, you're pronouncing the name wrong. How you say your name equates you to a definition. Jaqueline. Jaqueline is Jaqueline in the room. J- uh, you mean Jacqueline? <laughs> in other words, how you see yourself and how you speak your name. In, in other words, Jesus even said. Jesus even asked his disciples. He said, "Whom do men say that?" I am. And some say you are Elias. Some say you're Elijah. But I say you are the Christ. It is who you say that makes the definition. In other words, who is Cherry? Cherry is me. There is a story behind Cherry. You can't, if I say you're Tyrone, I'm not Tyrone. That story doesn't equate. In other words, you've got to say the right name. Adam was identified as the first Adam. God called him the first Adam. We know him as the one whom God created and who started the link to subsequent human creation. So in Genesis 5, 2, write that down. Male and female, he created them and he called them Adam. Adam, the word Adam means mankind. So the term Adam means human race. So Adam was defined as the leader of the human race. Oh God, you're going to miss it. It begins with the dirt, but he's forming into not just the individuality of himself, but the expression of all of mankind. So when he said, I am Adam. He said, I'm Eve. I'm Seth. I'm Benjamin. I'm Joshua. I'm Cherry. I'm Joy. I am the seed that connects. Ah, and that's how God said, all right, we're going to jump in. In other words, if he just dealt with only the single Adam, he couldn't reach the world. And so he had to get not just the body of Adam, but the spirit of Adam, the definition of Adam, the identity of Adam. And we are identified as children of the most high God. And because we're people of the body, of Christ then the perfect one Christmas means so much more because it gives us the opportunity to be the best man the best cherry no the best mankind because we are the expression of the Adam I gotta finish I'm a close maybe I'll just stop I'll end it here we are distinct from animals and other species we are terrestrial beings because we come from the ground. 
The best man is unique. Keyword number seven, six. Keyword unique. Who are you? And why do they call you Cherry? What's unique about you? Whom do others say that you are? The reason the beginning is important is because it affects our next point, which is establishment. So after you get established or identified, you get established. All right. You know who I am. You want me to get this job. All right. Now I'm in this job and I'm established. So from this identity of knowing who you are and whose you are, you begin to be established, Tabitha. Joyce, you begin to be established, Tia. Sharon, you begin to be established. And by established, I mean you kind of know you kind of know what you want, right? You kind of you kind of start knowing what you want in life. You you have an idea. You you start settling on in, right? You start you start understanding. So you're starting to state claims and what you call types. So we like types of things, right? And so your identity established the types of things you like and that you want to be with and to be around. And those types create your foundation of life. So your establishment is what you stand upon. In other words, who you are is what you stand upon. Ah, God, I don't stand upon what I do. I stand upon who I'm defined as. But remember, if there is a poor identity, there will be a poor foundation. And that foundation will forever change and elude you and keep falling until you come into self-awareness. I know this is taking a long time, but this is good teaching if you can stick with it. As was the case in the refuting of the serpent who tricked Adam and Eve into eating the forbidden fruit. They should have been standing on an established ground, but they bought the lie. You should be a better place, but you keep believing Jimmy Joe who keep telling you you ain't gonna die if you eat this fruit. He lied to you. She lied to you. And Adam and Eve built their lives on the wrong foundation until they realized the error of their ways. Even Peter, when he was walking on the water, lost his footing when he began to doubt and look away from Jesus and he started to fail. And Jesus said, "Where did you? why did you doubt me? So when a man understands how fearfully and wonderfully he is made, he can establish his roots in the ground that hold him firmly. When a man knows who he is, he can stand upon the rock and the rock is Christ. He can stand with confidence knowing that it's going to be all right. Live your life like you should live it and God will help you hold you up. Adam was so unique in that he was created from the dust of the earth. He was conceived with God himself just like Jesus, the second Adam. So that's how this connects. Jesus was born of a virgin, becomes the rock. Jesus becomes the rock. He becomes the chief cornerstone. You can read about it in 1 Corinthians 3 upon which everything is built. So when Eve and Adam couldn't establish their own foundation, the perfect one says, I'll be the foundation so you can stand upon it and be your best because I can't depend on you to think about you the way you should every day. I got to remind myself I'm special. Sometimes I forget and I start doing stupid stuff. Whenever you do stupid stuff, you have lost the reminder of who you really are. So Jesus became the establishment for all. And so as we move toward Christmas, we move toward the chief cornerstone who fixes our failures. Corinthians 3 tells us to build your house upon the rock who is Christ. And that's the key word number seven, foundation. Key word foundation. It is the foundation of the best man. Established really means you're able 
able to know the difference between what's good for you and what's not. A mature man, a mighty man, a foundation man knows the difference between what's good and what's not. That was the problem with Adam and Eve. Is the fruit good or is it not? They thought it was good and Eve sold it to Adam. Adam didn't even have his own identity and foundation. He said, whatever you say, Eve, I'm eat it. So in Genesis 3, clearly Adam and Eve lost their foundation because they judged poorly and God calls them and they're covered with leaves. They ran and hide and God discovered they had sinned. And there's Adam, Adam, where are you? He's calling his name and Adam is hiding because he lost his definition of who he was and he covered himself with fig leaves. And many of us cover ourselves in sin trying to hide from the God who wants nothing but the best from you in the first place. Somebody say amen. This begins the need for understanding the best man would soon need the perfect man. Somebody say, I need the perfect man. Christ coming to earth is about giving man his foundation again. It's about reestablishing the uncertain man. It gives us the opportunity to be the best man again. And it is established men who get properly acknowledged. Listen to my final stage. This is the last one where we are in acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. Once I'm established, I need to be acknowledged. Girl, you better acknowledge me. Honey, I'm coming home. You acknowledge. Hello, honey. Hello, honey. Come and kiss me. Establish or acknowledgement. Once your life is established or starts being established, people begin to acknowledge you for who you are. You can think you're a king all day, but you really aren't a king until your followers agree with that assessment. Come on, somebody. To choose to be something, oh, this is big. To choose to be something that only requires your signature is a small thing to do. But to dream to be someone that others must acknowledge for its effectiveness and impact, that is the more noble challenge, and that, I believe, is what man was designed for. I don't believe God made you to be a lone ranger on an island by yourself, signing your own preconceptions and thoughts and doing your own things. But the nobility and the great strength of being the best man is knowing how to choose things in life that include others and you gain their agreement and assessment by how you live. Man was acknowledged by God. Yes, he was. God acknowledged Adam, but guess who else acknowledged him? The serpent acknowledged him. Satan acknowledged him. Eve acknowledged him. Seth acknowledged him. The children acknowledged him. The world acknowledges Adam and Eve. A man lives for acknowledgement. And when he doesn't get it, he reverts back to the beginning of childhood. Don't respect a man. Don't acknowledge a man. I guarantee you he'll resort to childishness. He repeats the process all over again, wondering if he is who he is. And that's a valid question because if a man isn't getting acknowledged, he must ask am I in the right place or am I in the wrong place at the wrong time or is it because the people who should acknowledge me don't know no better or is I'm just not me in other words that's not it I'm not a lawyer I'm not a physician I'm not a doctor when people 
people don't acknowledge you, you need to check your definition, your establishment. God indeed acknowledged Adam and Eve, but not in the way they may have liked. Because God said, yeah, you, you, you are Adam, but you also gave yourself to the serpent. So in Genesis 3.17, God said, I acknowledge you, Adam, but because you listen to your wife, the ground that you work on will be hard to get fruit from. You will work in sorrow and tear. And Eve, you're going to have children in pain. You're going to have menstrual cramps and all these other problems that come with it. So from that moment on, man has been struggling with the proper acknowledgement. Man is trying to get acknowledged for the hard work he does. But it's hard because he didn't listen to God in the first place. Acknowledgement is important to man because it was what provides fulfillment. Acknowledge your husband so he'll feel fulfilled. Acknowledge your wife so she'll feel fulfilled. When you don't get acknowledged properly, you do stupid stuff. Somebody ought to say amen. When a man feels seen and acknowledged for who he is and what he has done, he feels good. He feels strong. And so the best man should make things easier. Keyword number eight. He should make things easier, not harder. And Adam made things harder because he didn't obey God. And so from the beginning, from the birth of man, we find the need for the birth of Christ. Can you see now the reason for the birth of Christ? Can you see now how we going to grow up to Christmas? You see all the problems with the beginning of the birth of man. Have I laid out the case? Come on, Tabitha, you're a lawyer. Come on now. Have I laid out the case a little bit? I'm, I'm, did it present the case? Come on, talk back to me. It is not, listen, listen, it is the failure of man that is the cause of Christmas. Listen, it is the cause of Christmas that we failed. We failed to be the best and we resorted to good. So Christmas comes. Our lack of bestness is what called the perfect to come. And so the man keeps coming. Generation after generation, mothers and fathers keep having babies that are improperly acknowledged. But there's only one man who gives us the option to become the best man we could ever become. And Jesus is that perfect man who impacts all these stages with his birth. He comes and he fixes it all. We now have the capacity to be like him. We can be Christ-like. So the birth of Christ is about the birth of the better man. It's about the birth of the best man. And so we thank God for Christmas because of the potential of what man can be. He now can be the best man. And God's best man is this it just means you're the best man in the wedding. I was going to skip this, and I am. I'm going to cut it, but I had to mention this. Our friend, Lil Ben, happened to play a role in the movie of The Best Man yeah. with Tay Diggs and Terrence Howard, who announces his retirement. <laughs> Listen, there's, there's a best man in uh, this wedding. This is what I mean by the best man. You pick a best man in a wedding because the best man is picked because... He can be trusted. He can be counted on because he's going to make sure the best possible outcome occurs. But we have seen this fail time after time. And again, we saw Tay Diggs fail. Morris Chestnut as the best man. We fail. Why? Because we are struggling with our own bestness. Oh, if you're going to get this, God, we are all struggling with our bestness. And what we mean by the best man in the Bible is that you're right with God, that you're open to heaven's promises. You can now reach the quality that exceeds most. The sinful man can't be best. He can only be good. But the best man has the opportunity 
option of reward. When you're the best man, you have the option of God blessing you. Yes, when you're the best man, you can be blessed. The best man drips and oozes with love that has been perfected over time. The best man is strong. He has strength. He has purpose. He has vision. He has destiny. The best man means he is it. The best man knows who he is and why he's called to be where he is called to be. Every man has the opportunity to be a good man, but I don't want to be a good man anymore. I want to be the best man. God help me become the best man I can be. So I conclude with this. In conclusion, I say to you all, give the man time in the hands of the one who is to break him. He needs to be broken down and reshaped. Just watch. Don't criticize him. Don't judge him. God is making him the best man he can be for you and for others. Remember, the man exists for something that existed before him, meaning he comes with function, he comes with intention, and he has to find it. He's not creating it. He's not saying, I'm going to be a dad because I'm creating it. He's trying to discover how to be the dad to this family. He's trying to figure out how to be a husband to this family, how to be the good employee, the best employee for this job. Do you understand what I'm saying? The best man is being worked on. If he's saved, if he's saved now, if he ain't saved, he can't be best, he can only be good. So let us celebrate the work of Christ because the work of Christ is the work of man the best man. There was no better man, meaning the best man for the job of Christmas, for the job of the cross, than Christ. And he was the best man because he was a concept. Jesus was a concept. We've taught about that. He was at he was the beginning with wisdom, creating the creation. He was a concept. Before Jesus came in the body, God knew the Son would exist. He was conceived, he was delivered, he was developed, he was identified, he was established, and now he's still being acknowledged to this day. People are acknowledging Jesus, the Christ. You better talk about it. Tis the season (laughs) to be jolly. (laughs) Fa la la la, la 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 la. We're still celebrating Jesus. We're still acknowledging the work that he did. The best man is here. (laughs) And we can be our best when we allow the best man to conform us to his image. Thank you, best man. (laughs) And we celebrate you. Remember this in closing. This is a quotable. Remember it. The best man is always a good man. But a good man is not always the best man. Christmas fixes that with the perfect man. Maybe I'll say that again. The best man is always a good man. But a good man is not always the best man. But Christmas fixes that with the perfect man. I'm PC. And that's all I've got.